Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. So I wanted to talk about this because I think a lot of developers, I get messages a lot or questions a lot from people where they talk about how they either want to create a startup or they want to work at a startup or they want to work at a startup, then create one. And people, developers tend to, not everybody, but a lot of developers tend to view startups as this sort of golden ticket, as as their way out. And certainly they can be, but I, I do want to try try to provide a little sobriety to all of this and talk about some things that, that you can do or some ways that you can go about all of this to help set yourself up better, whether you're starting one or you're going to go to work for one, some evaluation that you can do in, in looking all at all of this. Because, and the numbers sort of vary on this, but it's anywhere from 60 to 90% of startups ultimately fail. And, you know, there's nothing worse than thinking, you know, if you go to work for a startup and, and you believe in the startup and you, you sort of believe that it's going to be around for a while, you believe in the idea and investing all your time and energy into it and believing that you have sort of a solid footing for the future. And then all of a sudden one day that just being pulled out from underneath of you or in create going into creating a startup and not necessarily having a good sort of set of uh, set of ideas or, or guidelines for what really matters and what's ultimately going to lead to uh, long-term success. And, and again, reaching a point where you've invested a bunch of time, you've invested a bunch of energy, and you realize it's just not going to work. And again, it gets just pulled out from underneath of you. And I sort of, I sort of, I, I started thinking about this. Because I was reading this story the other day, and it just sort of, I mean, it's kind of a horror story. It, it, it sort of illustrated kind of what, what can happen with these things. So it was this company, uh, they had a product, I think it was called Reframed is what they called it. I don't know what it did, but they had a website that went along with it and so forth. And it was sort of your, your typical kind of, you know, startup story. And they had sort of built this site in there. And with these startups, the way, the way it sort of works, if you're not familiar, is a lot of times they, they have an idea for a product or a service or whatever it is. And they go and they pitch it to investors. And then investors sort of decide if they think this is a good idea, they think it's something they can make money on. If so, they'll, they'll, uh, engage in an initial round of investment. And then the people, the, the founders of the startup, will then go and actually go to create this business, create this service, this product, etc. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, that initial round of investment, that money's only going to last for so long. And so the the company that these founders have built have to sort of get get so far in the process and then they'll have to kind of come back up and do another round of financing and go back to investors and say, you know, here was the idea. Here's where we're at now in terms of the product. You know, here's what our user base is. Here's what our valuation is. Here's the future potential and so forth. All those sorts of things. And the investors will look at all of that and they'll decide whether to continue to invest or not. And this all sort of happens until either the startup is bought out or the startup reaches a point where it has a revenue model in place. It has a uh, a business model in place. It's gen- generating revenue greater than what it's spending 
and it's able to sort of function on its own. And at that point, that's when investors start getting their their get paid back their money, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of times these are just meant to build a they're they're, they're completely focused on growth. They're meant to grow as, as big and as fast as possible and then ultimately sell to some other big company. And that's how the people plan on making their money. That's not always the case. That's a lot of what it is. So these rounds of investment, though, the point I want to make is these rounds of investment are really, really important because essentially a lot of times beginning these these startups don't have any revenue model. They don't have any way of monetizing. They're just focusing on growing a user base, getting a bunch of people using their website or their app or whatever, and then they're going to figure out monetization later. Sort of like if you're familiar with the Facebook story for a lot of years, there were no ads and they got to a certain level of users, and then they started running ads, and then they had an IPO and all that sort of thing. So this is sort of the idea here. And again, these rounds of investments are important because if they don't get the investment, they can't pay employees, they can't pay vendors, they basically have to shut down. So this was sort of the story for this startup. They had gotten several rounds of investment through the years, and they were slowly building up this business and they were coming up to a point where they were getting to their next round of investment and they were uh, going to start kind of come up for air and start looking to talking to people who wanted to invest, get their next round of investment so that they could go back to, to building their website. And it so happened that in that time, there was in the office building that they were in, there was a guy that moved in next door who happened to be who, who at least said he was an advertising agency. And so the, the, they sort of got to talking and sort of went back and forth. And he made a pitch to them about helping them with, they hadn't figured out how to put ads on their site. Ultimately, a lot of what these sites do is they get a huge user base and then they build out some sort of ad system. Again, almost exactly like Facebook. And so they hadn't really figured it out and they hadn't been able to put ads on the site the way that they wanted and so forth. And so he said he could help them do it. And he sat down with them and in a matter of, I think it was hours, he was able to get uh, ads running on their sites the way, the, the site, their site the way that they want them, wanted them to be running. So they were, uh, really happy. And then they were able to, because of that, they were able to sort of do revenue projections based off the number of users, what the, you know, the numbers for how much they can earn from the ads. And they were ultimately able to get a $4 million valuation as a result of that, which is sort of a, an important thing when you then go to investors to say, Hey, invest in our, our, our company. You can say we have a $4 million valuation. So then if you invest this much now, you know, uh, you, if we sold at four million, this would be your ROI. If we, you know, grow to an eight million dollar valuation, then this will be your ROI. That sort of thing. So that's a really important piece uh, in all this. So they got the four million dollar valuation, and then they were going to start going to looking uh, for investors. Well, this guy came back to him and said, "Hey, by the way, you know, I, I really like what you guys are doing. I'm interested in investing in your company." What, what would be the minimum I need to invest? And they said, well, $10,000. And he's like, well, I got $25,000 I can invest. And they were like, okay, this is great. So getting that initial investor is sort of the most important. It's sort of social proof for all the other ones. We'll kind of use him to kick us off and then we'll be able to get all these other investors. Well, then he came back a little bit later and he's like, Hey, I, you know, I was able to talk to some people and do this and that. And now I can invest a hundred thousand. 
And so they sort of went back and forth like this. And his, you know, his wife came in and said she wanted to invest. And ultimately, between him and his wife, they ended up uh, saying that they could invest two hundred fifty thousand dollars into this company. And the company was looking to make three hundred fifty thousand dollars this round. That was what they were looking for uh, for their investment. And so having two hundred fifty thousand of that was a pretty big deal. And so. You know, they did some talking to some other investors and they were able to get the 100000 and they were ultimately able to reach their goal of $350,000. And so at one point, they had a $4 million valuation and they had what they assumed would be $350,000 worth of investment by these investor, uh, these investors. Well, when it, you know, not long after that, when it came time to actually starting to get the money, uh, one of the people in the company came to the CEO and was like, hey, we're trying to get this initial $10,000 we're having a little trouble getting it you know we need to sort of look at what what's going on here so they started looking into this guy and it it came up through the sort of legal process that he had a number of credit default judgments where essentially he had taken out lines of credit he had defaulted on them and now you have a judgment against you basically saying you owe this money you have to pay it well as they started looking into him you know he had a number of these and they asked him that they needed proof of, you know, proof of income or proof of payment from him to show that he had the money to be able to pay for them. And he said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get you this stuff. And they were sort of going back and forth. And, and in this whole time when this was happening of actually trying to get the money, they started looking into this guy even more. And apparently he had all sorts of different judgments against them he had done similar sort of things like this he's basically a con artist and so that got them then curious about the ad so they went and they looked at the ads and they realized that the ads he'd put on their site were actually just affiliate links and they were his affiliate link not the company's and so they they didn't the the this company didn't actually have uh brand relationships that he had brokered for them with these companies, these, these advertisers, the, the advertisers didn't even know that their, the, their ads were running on this site. And the big part of that $4 million valuation was based off of those brand relationships. And so, and then he eventually came back and said he wasn't going to be able to invest. And so 250,000 investment was, was gone. The $4 million valuation was gone, which meant the other investors that were interested, some, they all pulled out and they went from $4 million valuation to $350,000 for a round of investment to nothing. And, you know, that, that there's a time element to this. They only have so much time. This all happened in the course of a couple of weeks and they ultimately had to just close the business down. And they had to fire their employees or let their employees go. They ended up accruing, they ended up having to pay a lot of their own debt back with their own personal money. Um, and the whole thing sort of fell apart. And it all happened within the matter of a few weeks. Now, I want you to think about that for a second and imagine, you know, not even being the CEO, imagine you work at that company. You don't even know what's going on. You don't even know the deals the CEO is making. You're working at a job and then all of a sudden, you know, three weeks later, the, comp- the it's not you get fired. It's not you did a bad job. It's the company completely falls apart and goes to pieces. So it, it my point is, is that 
you know, it's important that you understand some of the fundamentals of what's happening with these startups, whether you're going to go to work for one or whether you're going to start one on your own. Because again, you know, you could say, yeah, it can be an, it was an adventure. I learned something, but some of you have families. You can't afford an adventure. And at the end of the day, you still have to put a roof over your head. You still have to put food in your belly. So it's important to know what you're getting into and be able to plan for a solid future. So again, I just want to bring a little sobriety to this idea of startups as the golden ticket. And oftentimes with these, what you see is there's some common problems among them. So one of the, the, the very big ones is bad business models. And this was one of the interesting things that uh, in this article, it was the, one of the founders that wrote this article that I read. What, uh, one of the things he said that has been highlighted quite a bit is, is he's, he said, the reality is it's not Simon's fault that we didn't have a commercial business. If we had, then raising investment would have been easier earlier. Yes, he absolutely didn't help. The whole experience wasn't great to go through. But we'll make sure the next business is commercial, commercially viable early, earlier. And again, this is one of the big mistakes that, that startups often make is that they, they focus on, you know, growing the user base of the app or the website or so forth. And don't really think about the business model from the start. They're like, Oh, I'll do that later. I'll, we'll figure out how to monetize it later. They're, or they're like, Oh, we'll just do ads later. But the earlier you monetize and can show the com- and get to the point of, of turning a profit, getting rounds of investment or being able to sell the company or just running the company based off of the profit that you're generating, uh, it all gets a heck of a lot easier because at the end of the day, in what investors care about, uh, what anybody you're going to sell the, the company to would care about or just you in your own bottom line, what matters is your ability to turn a profit to make more than what you're, what you cost so that you can pay all of your bills and, and ultimately, uh, return a profit to whoever might invest or, or whatever the case may be. So understanding the business model up front and, and, and thinking about that up front uh, is really critical. Another thing that you often see is, uh, they don't cater to existing markets. So a lot of times what these big companies are, are, or what these startup companies are doing is they're not looking to be a million dollar company or $2 million company. Oftentimes they're looking to be a $50 million company or a hundred million dollar company. And they're not looking to go into an existing market that has existing competitors and just create a better service or a better product. A lot of times they're trying to create their market. They're sort of wrapped up in this social network syndrome is what I sort of call it, which is if you ever seen the movie Social Network, you can't watch that movie, especially if you're a developer, you can't watch that movie and not come out out of it going, I'm going to create the next Facebook. I mean, that's just sort of what that movie does to you. But again, there's a little sobriety to that. And, and you know, that was a unique thing at a unique time and, and so forth. And so a lot of times, again, these startups, they just don't cater to existing markets. They're trying to create their own. And it's hard enough to cater to an existing one let alone create your own. So that can be a really difficult thing to do. Another thing that's sort of a kind of an effect of that, that is a a big problem is they don't develop specific solutions to specific problems. So a lot of times it's more of an idea. This is my idea and I want to change the world and I want to do this and that instead of focusing on what are specific problems that people are having 
those pro- how are they not being met properly? What can we create to be able to meet those things very, very specifically? When you do that, you put yourself in a lot better position to attract a user base and, and ultimately be able to monetize what you're doing so you can create a sustainable business. So those are some of the common, common problems that I see and things that you can look for, whether starting your own, uh, startup or whether going to work for another startup. Those are things you can analyze from the outside. Is this a, is this solving a specific problem? Is it catering to an existing market? What is the business model? What's the revenue model? If they don't have those things in place, then it's a it's not a hundred percent, but it's a good sort of indicator that they're gonna fall into that sixty to ninety percent, not that ten to forty percent that succeed. Now to sort of thump my own chest a little bit here, this is one of the reasons why I sort of stand up for and and I guess you could say pimp a little bit for WordPress. Because if you look at the WordPress community, it sort of fits all of these things, in particular when we start talking about plugin development. Because if you look at the WordPress community, it is an established, sophisticated market. It's one of the better ones out there in terms of the actual, you know, the business side of things. Because consumers in that market are used to having to pay for good products. They've been exposed to a number of different business models and, and they're, they're, they're willing to do that if they're going to get quality in, in return. So you're not out there having to convince people who don't want to buy stuff that, that it's better for them to do that. They already know that. What you have to do is you have to uh, deliver on a, a good product and service and convince them that you're better than your competitor. So again, it's just a sophisticated, established market that you can enter into where you a lot of the things are already in place for you to be successful. Another thing is that the business models have already been figured out for the most part. There's been companies, well-known companies in the market that have gone through sort of those growing pains, have taken those arrows for you. And so you can look at what they're doing business model-wise and you don't need to guess or reinvent the wheel. Right. It's, it's one thing to create a different product or service that d- solves problems in a different way. It's another to, to, to try and operate off a completely di- different business model that's never been tried before or hasn't, has never worked. Right. So reinvent the wheel when it comes to how you solve problems in the, in the service or product that you're creating, but maybe, uh, uh, stick to sort of the beaten path when it comes to the business models. Uh, that you use. And again, those are out there. They're established. There's several different ones that work. It's just a matter of what you're going to, what service you're going to provide, what product you're going to uh, provide. The last thing, again, that sort of is built into WordPress, why I push it so much is you're sort of forced to solve specific problems because the way plugin development works, the way the sort of the community works, you know, uh, you, you have to find things and you have to find little niches that are being underserved and, and little problems that people are having when it comes to using WordPress. And then you have to solve those for them. It just sort of is kind of baked into the way the whole thing uh, sort of works. And so it sort of forces you to develop those solutions. That doesn't mean that you can't think of outside the box in, in terms of how you solve them. But this, again, the sort of idea that you're forced to solve specific problems is is sort of baked into the way the whole thing works. So Again, one of the reasons why I push it so hard and why I think it's one of the best things that you can get into when it comes to a developer. If you want to create a startup or you want to go to work 
for a startup uh, is because it's got these things already in place, established, and you can enter into it. And there's not a there's not a ton of guesswork. There's not a ton of having to convince a market as a whole that you know they should invest in products and so forth. It's already there. So again, consider it as one of the better places that you can get into in terms of working or starting for, uh, a startup. Of course, I just did release my new WordPress course. So if you want to learn how to build WordPress plugins so that you can actually build these products and services, then that's a great place to do it. Uh, the, you can learn all the details of the course at johnmorrisonline.com slash WordPress course. If you're listening the day of this podcast, I'm doing a launch special so you can get a discount on the course right now. There's only a few days left on that. So if you want to get in on that, you want to head over there here pretty soon. So again, johnmorrisonline.com slash WordPress course going to teach you things like short codes, custom post types, uh, handling form data, uh, a technique I learned from one of the more well-known WordPress developers about how to handle forms and so forth. So a really good introduction to WordPress plugin development. Again, johnmorrisonline.com slash WordPress course, all one word. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, I'd appreciate if you'd share it with someone who would benefit from hearing from this. Also, all the past episodes, all the subscribe links for iTunes, Android, TuneIn, all that you can find at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, if you'll rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, I will give you module one of my PHP 101 course for an honest review. All the details for that are at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click on the start here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.